0: Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Y'all doing good? Look at your name. say, good morning. You're looking good. You're looking good. If I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, my name is John Butcher Jr. Alongside my wife, we are the youth pastors here at the Building Christian Fellowship. And it's an honor and a privilege this morning to be delivering the word. Just real quick, I'd like to give a shout out to our lead pastors, Pastor John and Pastor Kaya. Hello. See ya. I know you're watching. But man, uh, I got a chance to spend some time with Pastor John for a couple of days out there, and he's... Making leaps and bounds in his health journey. It's such a blessing to see God physically work through his life. And if you guys know Pastor John's testimony, if you've known it for a long time, that this is not the only time that God's grace has been upon him. God's grace has been upon him his whole life. But, anyways, over the past couple of weeks, you guys, not even past couple of weeks, almost all summer, we've been on this topic. Of what a gospel-centered life looks like. Now, it's been like eight messages. If you guys have missed messages, maybe you went on vacation and you was out sick or something like that, I encourage you guys to go back. We got YouTube available. Listen, we take a lot of time on our social media presence. Where's Jackie Biggins at? We take a lot of time on our social media presence to make sure, like, not just to present some just our church, but to present the gospel, And we make it available for each and every one to access so that you can grow in your lives and affect the people that are around you. So I encourage you guys, go on YouTube. We got like a whole um, thing that you can access to go back over all the messages. It's eight messages so far. And today we're concluding with a topic that I, if I were in the congregation today, I would not expect to have to address this topic at church. But hey, here we are. We recognize that The gospel doesn't just affect us internally. like It doesn't just happen on the inside of us, but when the gospel truly affects us, it affects the people that are around us. Like It doesn't just affect our mind and our heart. It affects the minds and the hearts of the people that are around us because when when, when you realize how good God has been to you, you can't help but share it. When I think about, and this isn't even the message, when I think about the, the Samaritan woman at the well... When Jesus told her everything that she had ever did and yet offered her eternal life, what was her response when she went back to her community? Come and see a man that told me everything that I ever did. He saw my whole past and yet he offered me not wrath, not anger, not what I deserve, but he offered me grace. When your life is affected by the gospel in such a way not only are you affected, but your relationships are affected. Now, now here's an exercise I want us to take before we get into the message, okay? Here's the exercise I want us to take. We all go through this thing, okay? All of us, whether you're old, young, married, have a big family, you're a grandparent, an auntie, your uncle, we all go through this, right? I want you to think back. Maybe it was a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was five minutes before service. But I want you to think about the last argument you got in. Yeah, I heard that. Pfft, yeah. Some of you guys are like, well, I had to straighten up just before I walked in the door, Pastor Jr. But think about the last argument that you had, the last, I don't know, heated debate that you got into. Now, Now, take away all the emotional part for just a second. I know right now some of you guys are getting mad thinking about it. Take away all the emotional part and just think about what were your actions during this conflict? What were your actions during this conflict? You know, a lot of times when it comes to conflict between us and the people around us, our spouses, our friends, our families, a lot of times we kind of fall into two groups. Either we fall into this like attack mindset, like I got to win, I got to be right, I have to prove that what I think is best. Or maybe you, you fall within the group of withdrawals, like, you know what? I'm just going to be quiet to keep the peace. You know, I just want to be just like Jesus. You know, Jesus was a peacekeeper, so I'm just going to withdraw from this conflict and, and just be more like Christ. Maybe you fit in one of those two groups. But just because it feels natural for us to go and fight and talk about the conversation until something is resolved or, or somebody wins or, or somebody's right or, or, or just withdrawing yourself from the conversation, just you can, quote unquote, keep the peace. Just because it feels natural to do does not mean that it's biblical. Just because it, it, it kind of makes you feel good for the moment does not mean that it's good for your soul. We're talking about conflict this morning. And talk- I- I- I'm sure after spending eight weeks of talking about the gospel and talking about uh, the law and-, and-, and liberty and talking about uh, uh, pretending and performing and talking about the mission. And last week, uh, Pastor Raquel talked about forgiveness. You wouldn't expect to end the gospel center life talking about conflict. It just seems too small for God to really care about. But listen, there is nothing too small. God created you. He's known you from the womb. He's created you with a purpose. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to turn to Galatians chapter two. We're going to Galatians chapter two. And I'm reading from the NLT. Who brought their Bibles? Let me see them. Who still got a paper Bible? Where are the paper Bibles at? That's what I'm talking about. If you brought your phone, no judgment. I-, I get it. It's 2022. Get you a paper Bible. Galatians chapter two. This is Paul writing to the church in Galatians, right? He's reminiscing on a moment that had the opportunity for some real conflict, something that was causing some division within the church, something that was was, was causing a problem within the community of the body of believers. And you wouldn't believe it. It wasn't just any old person. It wasn't some just random guy off the street. It was Peter the disciple of Jesus, who was causing this conflict. So we're in Galatians chapter two. I'm reading from the NLT, starting from verse 11. It says, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. Somebody say, ooh. I had to oppose him to his face. But for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians who were not circumcised. This isn't the problem. Stick with me. But afterward, when some friends of James came, James was like like the dude. He withheld the law. Like He he was a Jewish guy. He made sure that his uh, I's were dotted and his T's were crossed. He made sure everything was to the book, okay? When James showed up, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. Don't be two-faced, Peter. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. Now, for those of you guys that don't know the background... Circumcision was a physical way to show the, 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 the people of God, the Hebrews, their devotion to God. All right. You follow me. So in verse 13, it says, as a result, other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas, this is Paul's boy. This is the guy he's discipling, was led astray by the hypocrisy. So not only was Peter's Peter's behavior affecting the people around him, but he's affecting a people like far off. Like, well, if he's doing it, then we might as well do it, right? So when I saw here comes the conflict when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message I said to Peter in front of all the others Since you a Jew by birth have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile Why are you now making these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth not sinners like these Gentiles Yet yeah, we know what a person is made right with, God, by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Now, if you're taking notes in Pastor Raquel, I know we talked about in the staff meeting, possibly tiling this message fight fair, right? But I felt now during my prayer time and thinking about it, I'm cool with sticking to the topic of fighting. But if you're taking notes today, the title of today's message is fight like you've been fought for. Fight like you've been fought for. Now, Peter showed up. I mean, uh, Paul had showed up and he wanted all the smoke. He wanted all the smoke. But. He did not take the opportunity to operate in his flesh, but his goal, his mission, his mindset was to keep the integrity of the delivering of the gospel. It's like, Peter, you should know better. You've walked with Jesus all this time. You see miracles happen. He taught you directly, and, and yet you're living contradictly to what God has taught you, and you're leading these new Christians astray by the way that you're living. I got a problem. We need to figure this out. And here becomes the thing, too. Paul just got saved. He just got saved. So who was Paul to go to Peter, the guy that literally walked with Jesus, the guy that literally did miracles with Jesus? Who was this new Christian to go and tell the dude, Peter, that he was tripping? That's how strong of a mission that he tied himself to. It wasn't about him being right. It wasn't about him getting the victory in this conflict. It was about keeping the integrity of the gospel in the kingdom mindset. He wasn't trying to serve any, any, any selfish ambition. He wasn't trying to serve and build himself up in the kingdom. He was like, look, if we all call ourselves followers of Christ, we need to make sure we get the message right. That became the conflict. Here's my first point. We cannot resolve conflict from a distance. We cannot resolve conflict from a distance. Paul opposed Peter to his face. We said it before. If I was at Elevate right now preaching, I would say, Paul wanted all the smoke, but he was ready to put out the fire. Well, that's a bar. We here. We here. It's all good. It's all good. Paul didn't go gossiping about Peter to the other apostles or try to defame Peter or try to keep it to himself to keep the peace. He confronted him directly. When it comes to relationship, especially when it comes to conflict, we can't do so from a distance. And here becomes our tendency when we try to resolve conflict from the distance. When we have distance, assumptions get in the way. Well, you know, Pastor Raquel, I don't know why you're the point of my focus today, but hey, just rock with me. You know, Pastor Raquel, she she's mean. She's so mean. You see, you see the way she treats her kids. Oh, she's just mean. Not knowing the person that she is like, you would much rather make an assumption about the person that you have conflict and a problem with rather than going to them and having a level of intimacy with them. And I'm not saying intimacy, like you got to be their best friend. Okay. You don't got to be best friends with everybody. Last time I checked Mark chapter 12, verse 31 doesn't say go uh, uh, love like your neighbor Like you like yourself, like God is not calling us to like people. He's calling us to love people. So instead of sitting here trying to wait until like, well, I'll do it when I like them. I'll do that when it, when it fits my fancy, like, no, you are to love because God loved you. You don't have an excuse. I'm not talking to people that don't know the love of God. I'm not talking to people that haven't experienced his forgiveness and his goodness. So you don't have an excuse like, well, how can I love somebody when they don't love me back? The word talks about us being enemies and God still dying for us and loving on us. That not only does he, does he, did he die for us and, and, and free us from the bonds of sin, but he's empowered us to do the same. He's empowered us to love the people that hate us, to love the people that curse us, to love the people that get on our nerves. If we are committed to resolving conflict in a gospel-centered way, we have to be committed to a level of relational intimacy relational intimacy, relational closeness. Where are my married couples at? That's all I'm talking about. Be proud. Be proud. You can't tell me, keep it a buck. We in church, don't lie. That you don't have a conflict every now and again. But husbands, I'm just going to talk to the husband. I ain't going to talk to the wives right now, but husbands, rather than assume that she's tripping, why not do what you've put yourself in covenant with for and go be intimate with your wife to figure out what's going on rather than saying, oh, you know what, man, she's tripping again. She, you know, it must be that time of the month. She's tripping. You know, it's the hormones and everything like, nah, bro, you've been tripping. That's why she has a problem with you. When we look at our life in submission to the gospel, right? husbands, We're to love our wives as Christ loves the church. And and believe it or not, the church is not perfect. Look around. We're we're all not perfect. If if you're here for the first time and you're looking for a perfect church, I'm going to let you know that the Building Christian Fellowship is not it. (laughs) Did you say that on the pulpit? Yes, I did. It's Christ working through us that perfects us. It's Christ's love for us that perfects us. So while we are being worked on, we, we give the grace to each other just like God gave the grace to us. Pastor Raquel talked about it last week. If you open up the book of Matthew, right, Matthew chapter 18, when it talks about the unforgiving servant, the unforgiving servant had been forgiven for millions of dollars of debt. When he had the opportunity to give or to forgive his brother, the the the, the, the fellow servant of a couple thousand dollars of debt, what did he do? He he, he showed wrath rather than showing mercy and grace. That even in our relationships, whether it be with your spouse or with your friends or with your family, it's not, even if you're in the right, even if you you have all the right answers, it is not your opportunity to give wrath, but to give grace and mercy. Just in the same way that God justifiably, when you sinned, when you fell short, when you made the wrong mistakes, he could have gave you wrath, and yet he gave you grace and mercy. He's not asking you to do something he hasn't done himself, that he's empowered you to do it, that, that, that rather than, than, than make these, these arrangements to make you right, God showed up himself in the flesh to be intimate, to know what we went through, to know the temptations that we went through, and yet showed us how to overcome that temptation through the spirit. You having troubles with forgiveness? Are you having troubles with conflict in your marriage? The next time you have a conflict, the next time you're about to have an argument, I would dare you to pray before you have that argument. Holy Spirit, get rid of these assumptions. Get rid of these conclusions that I've already made before having this conversation with this person. Holy Spirit, get, 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 help me. Help me to, to, it's okay for me to feel these emotions, but help me how to navigate these emotions so that I, don't, that I don't sin and fall short. It's okay to be angry, by the way. It's okay to be sad, it's okay to be frustrated, but don't do so that to where it causes you to sin. We have to get close. If we want to resolve conflict, we cannot do so from a distance. My second point is this. Our motivation to conflict cannot be fueled by self-interest. Our motivation to conflict cannot be fueled by self-interest. Paul's concern was the truth of the gospel, not just trying to be right. Paul's concern was the truth of the gospel, not just trying to be right. Yes, he was right, but he was trying to keep the unity of the church. Y'all follow me? He was trying to keep the unity of the kingdom. Let's talk to parents now. How many parents are out there? There's gonna be less proud claps. It's like, yeah, I got kids. (laughs) There we go. But parents, husbands, wives, friends, family, you have to recognize when there's disunity and divisiveness in your relationships. You have to recognize when there's division or or divisiveness within your families. And as a a, a member of the kingdom of God, as a a, a member and and a son and daughter of the most high God, you have to recognize that, look, even though you're right, you have to resolve this conflict with with the mindset, with the mission that I'm trying to keep the unity of my family. I'm trying to keep the unity of this relationship with this person. That in my church, I'm not going to be the one that, that spurs on and keeps gossip going on within our church, but I'm going to be the one that shuts it down and, and keeps the unity within my church. We have to keep the unity. We have to be one. Is it, 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 it what Jesus prayed for before he died on the cross. He said, look, Father, may they be one like you and I are one. Let us be together. In Galatians 2:14 it says, when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, he was saying, Look, they know the gospel and yet they aren't living out the truth of the gospel. They're trying somehow to make it seem like there has to be a way for us to do things or 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 to or to or to serve a certain way in order to be made right with God. When in reality, it's about our faith in Jesus that makes us right with God. That if there's anything, and, and this this is where it comes with 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 Parents being uh, the protectors of the household and men, you being the protector of your household is making sure that these little divisive things that come from the world or these little divisive thoughts that come in, whether that be through your wife or whether it be through you or they be through the kids, that you stand and speak the truth of the gospel over it. This was Paul's response to this conflict. He didn't tell Peter off. He didn't roast him. He didn't say anything crazy, but he responded with the truth of the word. Y'all following me? rather than give his opinion rather than give what he thought was best he responded to the division with the unity and the truth of the gospel this is how we have to respond when 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 we have these divisive thoughts right like right now depression and 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 anxiety is running rampant through our country it's running rampant through our world and there are many times as a youth pastor dealing with teenagers that we have Like 90% of the teenagers talking about they're feeling depressed or anxious. When they fall into that depression, parents, fathers, friends, family, when you have that friend that falls into depression, here's what I encourage you to do. Speak the truth of the word over that person. This becomes the conflict. This becomes the conflict. Not only do we need to continue to recognize what our identity is, but we have to remind people that are around us what their identity is as well. That not only do I recognize that I'm a son, that I'm forgiven, that I receive grace, that my only peace can be found in Jesus alone. I have to remind my friends and family that, listen, you are called, you are chosen, you are loved, you are forgiven, you have hope in Jesus Christ. That's what keeps the unity. It's not always about disagreements. It's about what comes into relationships and what comes into family that are divided and divide people from the love of God. You follow me? Our motivation to conflict cannot be fueled by self-interest. My last point is this. Our issue cannot be presented without an invitation. It cannot be presented without an invitation. Paul presenting his issue plainly invited a response from Peter. Back to verse 14. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile. Why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that, we know, Peter, I'm not making this up. We know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. It's one thing for you to express why you're upset and why you have conflict and why you have issues. That's fine. If you feel like you need to vent, I would encourage you to check yourself first. I, I know I know sometimes you just got to get it out. Sometimes you just got to get that emotion out. But don't just get the emotion out just to get the emotion out. Get the issue out with a, 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 a mission to resolve the conflict. Y'all following me? Don't just come out and be like, you know why you make me upset? Because you always walking in here with your dirty shoes. okay, do you have a solution to my dirty shoes? You know what? You know why I'm set? You're always walking in with your dirty shoes. You're getting the house dirty. Here's what I've done. Here's a solution that I've come up with. How about we put the shoes by the door on a rack? I bought a rack and we can move forward from here. So that way you don't walk on, step on my feet, physically uh, or uh, metaphorically and I don't step on your feet. We cool? All right. There's a resolution to conflict. It's not just us venting. When you go back to the book and you go back to the gospel center life, when it talks about the difference between attackers and withdrawers, right? The attacker always is trying to prove that what they're doing is right. The attacker has to be right. Like, I'm I'm telling myself a little bit, but when me and my wife get into arguments, yes, pastors get in arguments too. We get in arguments. Here's Here's what my wife tells me. She's like, you always have to be right, right? You always have to be right. I'm like, no. That's me trying to be right. But, but when I go into conflict, and this is in the book as well, I encourage you guys to go get it. When, when I go into conflict, I have to go into such a way where not only am I going to resolve something, but I know myself well enough to know that when I go into this, hey, here's my tendency. I have a tendency to want to be right. So when I go into it, I, I got to go in being quick to listen and slow to speak. I'm going into this conflict rather than already having a solution. Like, you know what we should do? Dude, you don't even know what's going on yet. Relax. Going in, this is a biblical principle, going in quick to listen so to speak. Because rather than thinking that I have all the answers, you might hear the answers by the other person expressing what they're feeling. We can't resolve conflict from a distance. We can't do so with selfish motives. And we can't not present our issue without an invitation. As I come to a close, this sort of gospel-centered confrontation mirrors God's movement towards us in the gospel. God did not pour out his wrath on us or remove his presence from us. Instead, he sacrificially moved towards us in the person of Jesus, full of grace and truth. Jesus confronted sin, invited relationship, and provided a way of reconciliation. That God had every right to let his wrath down on us. Because of our sinful nature, because he's a good God, because he's the creator of the universe, he has every right to to, to pour his wrath out on us. And yet he didn't. He had a conflict with with us, believe it or not. He had a problem. He has a problem with our sinful behavior, believe it or not. But rather than attacking and, and, and pouring his wrath on us, he gives us grace. And I didn't forget about the withdrawers either. What God could have done is in our sinful nature, he could have pulled away his presence from us and said, you know, I'm gonna leave them to their own thing. He didn't do that either. Rather than responding with full wrath or rather than taking his presence away from us, he created an opportunity for us to be in relationship and reconcile with him again. In the same way that God shows us this this huge level of conflict resolution, this huge level of grace and mercy and truth, is the same way we are to show it to each other. Then it says in 1 John that how can you claim to love God whom you don't see and don't love the neighbor that's next to you that you do see every day? So, so, so. If you're, if you're a believer, right, and you have received this, this, this grace and, and repented and, and you're living a life for God, and yet you're not showing that same love to the people around you, what are you doing? This gospel isn't just for you. It's for the people that are around you. This gospel isn't just for you. It's for the community that God has placed you in, the family that God has placed you in. Are the people that are around you that have done you wrong and caused you conflict and caused you issues, do they deserve reconciliation? Do they deserve grace? Do they deserve love from you? Probably not. But I want you to be reminded this morning. Did you, did you deserve God's grace? Are you so self-righteous that you think that you, 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 you deserve the grace that God gave to you? When we serve, when we have relationship, when, when, when we love people, we love so from a place that we've been loved. When we fight, when we have conflict, we do so in a way that God has fought and, and, and resolved conflict with us. That's what it means to fight like you've been fought for. I'm, I love because God loved me first. I show grace because God showed me grace first. I bring peace because God brought peace to me. I bring joy because God has brought me joy. This becomes the response. Is that we don't think that we know, that, that, that we, don't, we don't have the, the mindset that we know everything. That a part of this faith walk a part of us responding to this gospel is in a way of repentance. It's saying, you know what? The way I thought about resor- resolving conflict before, about, about trying to win the conversation or win the argument or, or maybe withholding the argument to, to, to keep the peace, that wasn't right. Here's something that I want to remind you of, you guys. This is, this, is, this is just me being transparent. I find a little bit of identity in both of these, these behaviors. Attacking to try to be right, But also withholding to try to keep the peace. Because sometimes in my arguments and in my relationships, I thought that, well, maybe if I withhold my anger, I won't hurt their feelings and then everything will be okay in the name of keeping the peace. I'm gonna ask you this personally, okay? What kind of peace holds on to bitterness? What kind of peace is unforgiving? What kind of peace holds on to that grudge year after year after year? You know what the ugly thing about it is? Next thing you know, that bitterness is that it caused you to bleed on people that never cut you. It causes you to let out wrath on people that never hurt you. So now, not only did that one relationship get affected, but every other relationship afterwards gets affected because you didn't, Resolve that conflict or forgive that person in a way that God has empowered you to resolve conflict and forgive that person. So here becomes our next move. We can all stand to our feet. Whether you have a tendency to pursue justice by, 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 by attacking and being the person to be right, or whether you be a withdrawer, uh, the type of person that just withdraws from the situation... It might feel good for the moment, it might feel right, but it might not be what God has called you to do. I want to remind you guys this morning that God loves you in spite of you, that God cares for you in spite of the bad decisions that you make. Because we've been empowered by this love, because we've been empowered by this grace and truth, We should should lavish it on the ones that are around us. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, wherever you're at, just like we started this sermon, this is how we're gonna end this sermon. I want you to think about some of the conflicts that are in your life. Some of the issues that you might have with people. I want you to take some personal inventory. Did I handle this in a way that God has empowered me to handle this? Did I forgive this person in the way that God forgave me? Did I take an opportunity to let out my wrath on them because I felt justified? Did I withdraw myself from them to somehow keep the peace? Or did I take an opportunity to give them the grace and mercy that God has given me? So God, today I'm praying that your spirit reminds us of your goodness. Your spirit reminds us of the grace that you have given towards us, God. The mercy that you give us each and every day. Lord, I am praying that during our conflict, when we are in the heat of argument, God, when 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 anger is up, Lord God, when we feel like running away, Lord God, you remind us of your goodness, that you did not run away from us. That you did not take the opportunity to, to, to condemn us or to let your wrath down on us, Lord God, but you give us an opportunity of grace and mercy. So, Lord, I am praying, God, that by your spirit, you empower us to do your will in our lives. You empower us to do the will in our relationships, Lord God, that we can resolve conflict in the way that you resolve conflict with us. That we we be quick to listen and slow to speak. Lord God, that as husbands, we love our wives like Christ loves the church. Lord God, that I'm praying that we honor our parents, that it may be well with us. And God, as parents, we don't cause to drive our children to wrath, Lord. God, I am praying that in opportunities to give our friends and our family forgiveness, Lord God, that we keep in mind what you said in your word. It's not just seven times, God, but it's 77 times seven, over and over again, just like you forgive us over and over again. God, you're the only peace that we can ever have. So, God, I am praying that we stop trying to make up peace, Lord God, in our lives. Lord, we thank you for your power that you've shown us. God, we thank you for the peace that you've shown us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give God a praise? That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the NX Podcast.